Today, uh, we welcome Dr. Steve Katzis. So, Steve, if you want to come on up. Um, you can't go anywhere in Tulsa in, the, in, in any hospital and not hear the name Steve Katzis. And people, there's usually, I'm going to wipe this mic off real quick. Uh, not For there not to be a sigh. And people say, oh, he's the best. And I, I hear that not just for, from myself, but from a lot of friends and even having been in the, in the hospital with family. And I've so loved Steve's reputation. But Steve is also... Um, He's a highly sought-after surgeon. He's also a partner in Oklahoma Surgical Hospital. Uh, he's a leading trauma surgeon at St. Francis and also part of the Tulsa SWAT team in his spare time, which I don't know how he would have any spare time. Uh, I w- I'll let him tell you a little bit about his family in a minute because we've got a slide for that. But Steve and I have been friends since ORU. We went to ORU together, and uh, it's great to see people who have uh, not only survived in life, he'll tell a little bit more about that, but also is thriving, not just himself, but his family and everyone that comes in contact with him. So this is Steve's third time to be here, but every time, I will tell you this, Mark and I, again, we talked about this last month about really praying who would be our next speaker, because we feel like the Holy Spirit is really guiding us uh, into each month, who, who has the word for that moment. And so Mark brought up, he says, I think we should talk to Dr. Steve. And so I, I text him and said, hey, we're thinking about uh, having you for upcoming breakfast. What do you think? And he said, interestingly enough, I, I, I would never put myself on, on the stage, but I definitely feel like that God has given me some words to speak to the guys today. So we just wanted to have a, an informal conversation about some things that we feel like that we're facing medically. I know that you can't turn on the news anywhere, and the response that we're seeing really as men is what is our response? What is our response in leadership? What is our response in our home? What is our response to, to protect ourselves and to support uh, those in, in authority over us. And so Steve's going to talk some about that. But I, I wanted to, um, to ask you, Steve, first, just, um, you know, for you, what does a normal day look like in, in your life? And this is more, let's talk about work first and we talk about family, but I wanted to ask you just work-wise. I think we all kind of wonder what that's like and how you, how you get through that. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if there's ever a normal day, even <laughs> as a surgeon, you know, you see different things all the time, but, uh, you know, I'd, Try to keep my day separated from, uh, you know, an office day or an operating day. And, and um, so those will typically encompass a day. One day might be just seeing a bunch of patients in the office and then doing hospital rounds. And then other days are, are surgical. So, um, and then I do a couple nights a month where I spend the night in the hospital as a trauma surgeon at St. Francis. So that's pretty much, you know, you go kind of check in and just sit around and wait for bad things to come in and, and happen. Mm-hmm. And, and uh so sometimes there's a lot, sometimes there's, there's not much. The day we went to lunch, he had just come from putting someone back together. And I'm just like, how do you just, like, just leave that, just come to lunch with me? <laughs> I mean, do you, yeah. did, and you didn't eat a salad that day either, I noticed. <clears throat> salad wasn't really high on your list after. Well, no, I didn't have the thing with the kidney beans in it. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> I had just taken one out, it just didn't look good. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you eat after that. So we know you have eight children, and we have a photo of your family up um, with all the responsibilities as a surgeon and a doctor and all the things you have with the SWAT team, which I don't even know we can even have time to go into that. Uh, how do you keep that all together? And you want to talk a little bit about your family. This, this is a beautiful photo of your family. If you really know me, you know it's not fair <laughs> <laughs> to put a, a family picture up there, but... Um... Uh, you know, I'm just so blessed. My wife, Kelly, is um, beautiful, fantastic. Um, she's really the one that kind of holds everything together. Um, I have a couple of my boys here, uh, Colby and Colton. And uh, 
you know, my whole family is a, is a miracle in their own little ways. Um, my two oldest girls are adopted, and, and uh, so is Colby, and there's just some fantastic stories with there with how God's worked and, and, and worked through our lives, worked through the, the children's lives to bless us, and then their, their birth families and, and that sort of thing. And, and then uh, uh, Jaden's there in the back and, you know, uh, kind of a mini Kelly. So, um, and uh, that's kind of a loaded statement. So, um, <clears throat> and then the three little boys in front are also adopted and just, you know, just another fantastic, beautiful story about how God's uh, blessed us through, um, uh, I, I'd say circumstances, but I think he knows, you know, what those events were leading up to those things. And so just been a huge um, blessing. And so we talk about, you know, family and talk about work. And, and I, I've said this before, but when I, you know, when I'm planning out my schedule, I'm pretty much putting their schedule in first, and then I kind of work around it, and that's, I have kind of enough autonomy uh, to do that, mm-hmm. so um, like on my surgery days, I'll only schedule a certain amount so that I know that I'm going to be done without rushing or feeling like I'm, you know, accidentally cutting a nerve to get to a ball game or something else like that, <laughs> so, um, but uh, just to try to make them a priority, um, I, I think God's gifted me to do what I do, that's why I can take out a kidney and then go eat a salad or whatever. But, you know, everybody's wired to, to be their part of the body of Christ. But that's kind of more of my vocation. That's not who I am. Um, and so I, I just, I make my family my priority. And, and probably the biggest thing is I'll miss things that the kids do because there's eight of them. So sometimes there's more than one kid thing going mm-hmm. on at once. I think your wife told me, I asked when I said, with me and a mom of eight, how do you keep it all together? And she says, well, I just, I look at my schedule and I say, someone's always going to be late and we just rotate who it is. Yeah. So I'm like, that, yeah. that is a great so, perspective on that many kids. So I applaud so. you in that. Uh, Steve, you've, you've known illness in your adult life and not many people know about that. I think you've talked about it before, but can you, um, talk a little bit about the, your, your victory over cancer and, and then how your faith intersected with medication and with all your medical, your knowledge and, you know, faith and medicine, where, where do those two intersect, especially in the day we're living in? Yeah, so in 2007, I was, um, it's probably about this time of year, I just, I started kind of feeling, oh, not the greatest. I thought it was, you know, like everything, it's allergies, you know, <laughs> until your COVID test comes back positive or something. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, <laughs> Um, but, uh, so 2007, I, you know, and I have kind of a little bit of that seasonal allergy thing where you'll get a little wheezy or the mold counts up or that sort of thing. But, um, it went on for, instead of a couple weeks, several weeks. And then I was, you know, starting to feel, um, more fatigued and things like that. So I kind of knew something was up. So I, uh, decided to, um, get some tests done and, and, uh, of course I just, got it myself, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, they say if you have a patient for a doctor or whatever, the thing is you have a fool for a patient or whatever, you know. <laughs> anyway, I kind of initially did my own little uh, workup and figured it out, but I did some blood tests, there were a few little abnormalities, and I was having some chest pain and, and some little things on and off, and so I got a chest x-ray, and there's a massive, uh, just a mass in my chest, and I immediately knew uh, that it was lymphoma, just, you know, that was um, pretty clear to me just from what I've known in, in the blood work. And so 
I got finished all the other tests. I got some real doctors to take care of me and do all that stuff. And, <clears throat> and it was, um, you know, the thing that you, that kind of struck me is, all right, here I am, I'm a physician and now I, but I'm a Christian and I want to rely on my faith. And I, I really felt like, okay, there's, there's going to be a conflict here. It, initially, this wasn't a big, you know, thing, but, you know, am I going to rely on medicine or am I going to rely on God? And to me, I think that, that immediately, it was a very short-lived thing. I went to ORU, and so Oral was very big on preaching um, faith with medicine. So um, it, it wasn't a thing where they were mutually exclusive. And I, th- I thought Oral really had a good grasp of that. And I just, I think for lack of a better term, kind of bathed in that concept as a student, and I was healthy as a student. I mean, I, there wasn't any illness in my life at the time. You're young, healthy. You don't ever think anything's going to be wrong. But I, I just was, that. I think those were seeds that were planted in my heart at the time. So, um, but I'll be honest, I did have a little bit of struggles. You know, should I just be miraculously healed from this because I'm a Christian mm-hmm. and feel like that I can just move on? And and I really felt like God was telling me that the wisdom in this is, is to do the treatment that's the prescribed treatment that would be the standard treatment for this, and then kind of let God take care of the rest. Um, and so that involved chemotherapy, that involved putting in a port, that involved radiation. And of course, when you start adding up all these things and you know your initial visceral reaction to chemotherapy or radiation is, <clears throat> well... I'm not going to do that. That poisons my body or mm-hmm. different things like that. And, and I totally get all that. Um, but I really felt like the wisdom was to proceed with the treatment, but not rely on the treatment, but trust God through the treatment and trust him to complete the healing and use that process. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that was kind of where, where that was. So I, didn't, I know people struggle with that. And I, and, uh, but that was just something that I, I didn't feel like I had to struggle too much with, but it was, you know, you're sitting there, this, this is something that can kill you mm-hmm. and you're 42 years old and you have, I don't know how many kids we had at the time. <laughs> I'll lose track. It was, you know, but, uh, maybe, maybe only five at the time. And, uh, so, <clears throat> so as far as faith goes, you know, the question is always, do I rely on my faith? And, and, and you have a day-to-day. So your day-to-day is you still went to work. You still went to work with cancer, with everything else you had going on, still doing surgeries. Is that, I mean, how did that, how, how did that affect you? Yeah, so I, I just, I believe that, you know, there's, there's the, the disease that you're diagnosed with. And I'm not a negative person in the sense that, uh, or a denial person. A lot of people, will, they'll be confronted with an illness and they'll be in denial about the illness. Well, it's pretty hard to be healed of something you deny you have. Mm-hmm. And, and I, don't, I don't know that I'm a theological expert on all that, but if you deny you have something, you don't, you're never going to have a testimony that you were healed from something, mm-hmm. if that good. makes sense. So, so I wasn't in denial about what I had. I just understood that this is where I am and I knew that God could overcome that. Mm-hmm. And so... And, and I've kind of viewed, and even in my practice patterns before this as a physician, I just viewed like, okay, here's, here's what I can do as a physician or just in healthcare in general, using other colleagues as consultants or whatever. If this is, if this is what we can do, this is the max, but you're up here and you need more, guess who gets to fill in that gap? Mm. You know, and to me, that's a no-brainer. God can do that. And, 
And that's the way I look at it is we're going to be wise. We're going to do what we can do and then let God take care of the rest. So the perspective on that too then is, is looking at COVID-19 right now and, and seeing why does this seem so much different than cancer or flu or E. coli? Um, so many other these other diseases have surfaced and yet what is it about this virus that seems so much different than like even what you faced and what can we do about that right now? Well, there's a lot of unknown about the virus in the sense that there's a lot of information out there, but we don't always know what's good information and what's not. I kind of view social media or the news or just where we get information. You have a nice clean glass of water and then you just put a little drop of poison in it. Well, where's the poison in the, it's all mixed in there, you know? And so we don't have good filters, you know, for those sort of things. So you have a virus that has a latent period of symptoms um, and you have all these statistics out there and, and then you intermix that with, um, you know, government trying to do their job uh, to, to control that. And then you have healthcare workers trying to do that. And then we have our own opinions and, and uh, it's, you know, we all become experts on things that are out there. And I, I mean, I'm not arguing anybody's ability to critically think about healthcare things with the right information, regardless of their training. But, you know, I'm the same way with who should be starting quarterback for the, you know, the Patriots after, you know, Brady leaves. It's, I've never coached a day of pro football in my life, but I have some expertise on that because I've watched the news, you know. So, um, <clears throat> um, so that's, you know, and, and again, I'm not being critical of people that have thoughts on that thing. I mean, I think these things all impact our life, the virus, not the Patriots. But um, <laughs> So I think it's important to try to get, you know, thoughts about those, but I think also kind of put them in the right perspective. Yeah. Um, you had some great insights. We talked about the story in the Bible of the woman with the issue of blood. It's interesting that that, that, that story is repeated in all the Gospels. So obviously there's something in that for us uh, to think about medically. What, was, what were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, so the woman of the issue of blood is, you know, this is a lady that she's been ill for about 12 years and, you know, different versions say that she'd suffered many things under many kind of physicians, which I can totally relate to in that. Um, so she'd been trying to get treatment for this issue for 12 years. So this even predates Jesus's actual ministry. And in the midst of having an emergency beckon to go treat a 12-year-old girl, this lady touches him um, and is instantly healed. And she just felt if I could touch him, I would be healed. So she's done everything. She's done all the medical stuff that there is to do, and she's still suffering from this thing. And and there's a whole lot of interesting things just sewn into this. I mean, just the fact that she has this ongoing bleeding makes her unclean. Mm-hmm. And so even to touch Jesus or to touch a rabbi or somebody like that was just so wrong. But she just knew that that's where the source of the healing was. So, mm-hmm. But Jesus didn't, didn't spend time condemning her. In fact, Jesus didn't even have to do anything for her to be healed. Mm-hmm. It was her faith in looking to him for that. And so... Um, but he very much understood what her situation was, and and rather than condemn her or say you should have came to me, the minute I started my, the minute I came out of the Jordan baptized, you should have just come over. We'd have had this thing dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just very gracious to her, loved her. She was healed, and um, and that's just who he is. Just the yeah. grace of, of that. And I love this. He said at the end of that, I was looking comparatively through all the gospels. And he said to her, your faith has made you whole. It was the fact that she believed in the fact that he could heal her is why she was healed. Right. And I think about that even with the virus, even today is like, do you really believe um, 
Do we really believe that God can heal us? Do we really believe that God can heal our land and heal our people? I think that's, that's a little bit of a you know, question right now as us as believers. It's a real significant question to ask right now about our Yeah, faith. and even going back to, to the lymphoma, I, I, I had a brief period of, I, I don't even know that it was 30 minutes where there was just kind of things going through my mind, fear. I was kind of crying and, and, um, and you know, that kind of thing. And then I, it just kind of a peace came over me and I just realized, you know, God has this whole thing taken care of. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's something out there. There's a future to go through. There's a trial that I'm gonna have to go through. There's this treatment. But then I just had a piece that I really knew I'm putting it in God's hands. And, and so whether it's you touch the hem of his garment and you're instantly healed or you just realize that I'm going to rely on scripture and his word and have faith that he's going to be the one to bring me through this, mm-hmm. then, then all of a sudden there's this amazing peace and the cancer's not gone yet. And, I, and I'm not getting into the whole, you know, it, it's gone in the spirit kind of stuff. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't mean that. I just mean I still have to go through the treatment. Mm-hmm. That's still in front of you, but you realize that you're going to win because of what God has already done and in, in relying yeah. on. Well, he said in this world, we'll have tribulations, but take courage. I've overcome the world. I think that's, that's the thing. He never said you wouldn't have to go through anything. I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, yeah. and Abednego didn't think they were going to go through fire either, but right. he promised that he would be with them. And ironically, the only thing that burned up was something they didn't need anyway, which was what, was what bound them up, right. was, was on their wrist. So he didn't ever say you'd have to go through anything. Right. You know, and you obviously went through something that helped make you be a better physician and also have a, I mean, your compassion is unbelievable for what I see for, I mean, there's not many physicians that would, that would tear up at, at a moment's notice, but your heart of compassion is very obvious. And that, I think that's having someone who's been through something. So all of us, we have people in this room that have gone through COVID and they survived it, but they went through it and they know what that's like. I think sometimes going through something, your level of compassion goes up about a thousand points because you've been through something. Um, what, during this time, what scripture uh, has really stuck out to you as something that we should consider and something that has been real meaningful to you? Well, the scripture that kind of sticks out is we don't battle against flesh and blood. It's yeah, all these, 6, 12. Right, yeah. all these spiritual uh, forces and rulers of weakness and, and that sort of thing. And so we get our focus on the other things instead of what's, what's really going on, I guess, behind the scenes. Well, it's funny that scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I know this disease is, is, a, is blood related, correct? Right. So it's interesting. I've never read that scripture to say we wrestle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I think we continue to look around and say we're wrestling with a virus, but we're really and truly wrestling with something much higher, which is a spirit of infirmity and a spirit right. of sickness that is really overseeing in our land right now. And you, when we come in and take authority over that, that's where things begin to change instead of fighting each other and fighting that. Um, what has God sh- shown you about our focus right now? And what is, what is the, the great distraction that we see with the enemy? Well, that's the, you know, the, the distraction is the flesh and the blood. So yeah. we get focused on what's happening with the flesh and the blood and, and, and we lose sight of the kind of the spiritual aspects mm-hmm. of, of those things. And they're all important things. I mean, I think, you know, as you look at the things that we're talking about, the masks and the social distancing and how much you know, things, businesses can be open and that sort of thing. And I know a lot of this, you know, I went for almost a month without doing elective surgery and, and, um, and that doesn't, I mean, I'm not crying about that. I bet it just, you know, there's other people that had maybe urgent things that are elective that are important to their health that, mm-hmm. you know, we had to delay and, and those things are important, but they're not, they're not really what the real battle is, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but if we get too much focused on, the flesh and blood issues or the, you know, the things out there that, that we're dealing with that, and we're get our focus away from what God's word says mm-hmm. and what God wants us to do, 
then I think that's where we kind of get, we can get in a little bit of rabbit hole or get off track. Yeah, I found myself going into a restaurant and just really being really frustrated because number one, I had to wear a mask and the rules are different. You guys all know this. The rules are different everywhere you go. There's no consistency in, in the ruling uh, and people you know, follow or don't follow the CDC guidelines. But I found myself being frustrated and yet as a business owner, I walk in and think, man, I need, to, I need to pray for these people that are running this business. They're doing their best to keep their doors open. They're also trying to protect their employees. They're also trying to somewhat protect us. So, but you can get so off on that that I'm sitting there at the table just fuming, number one, because I had to QR code scan my menu. I'm like, you're going to bring me a paper menu? Like, I'm going to have to go scan it to eat? Uh, and then they only have a third of the menu, and then I'm having to wear a It's just, it's compounded stuff. But I think it's, it goes back to what you said. It's a distraction. It's a distraction because in those moments where I'm all worried about my own stuff, I could care less about this worker who's got sweat pouring down their face and they've been, you know, they've been in this mask all day long trying to get their job done and trying to feed their family. And am I, I was completely not in focus of saying, I need to be loving on this person right now because, because I didn't get what I wanted. I was going to take it out on my server or this restaurant. But that is exactly what I, I think we, we're all facing is a distraction. And then just not loving people because I'm, I'm mad and everyone's mad. You know? Yeah, I think the bigger picture is, is your relationship with others rather than mm-hmm. you know, necessarily the circumstances that we have to yeah. deal with. Uh, you know, talking about distraction and deception, one of the greatest stories of bait and switch happened in the, in the Bible with, with Adam and Eve. What's your take on that story with Adam and Eve and that deception and, and distraction? Well, it, the story's always kind of perplexed me a little bit because it, it says that Adam was not deceived. And so I kind of always thought, you know, you kind of, I don't know that we gloss over the whole story of eating the fruit, but, um, you know, when, when, you know, Eve ate the fruit, she was deceived. She had a little conversation with Satan and it's, you know, he kind of twisted words and things like that. And, and then she ate the fruit and then you know, now she comes back to Adam, and and so he eats the fruit, but he's not deceived. And I thought, well, what what was going on? And I, it's just a classic kind of thing where Satan takes something that you know is God's word. Like, so Adam obviously knew that eating the fruit was wrong, that he knew what God's word was, and he still ate the fruit. So what was Adam confronted with? Well, I'm not, I don't know exactly sure what he's confronted with, but the greatest gift that God had given Adam was right there and had just eaten the fruit. So now he's thinking, is, is she going to die? Is she going to be taken from me? Um, do I need to eat the fruit to cover her, protect her, and maybe I'm going to take the blame? I mean, there could have been a whole myriad of things that, you know, and people have probably studied this more, but it, just as I'm thinking about it, but what happened is it, it got him so thinking about other things than what God actually said and trusting God for what he meant that he made the wrong decision despite not being deceived, if that makes sense. So he got focused on Eve or himself or what he was going to lose and, and lost track of the simple fact that God's word was, just don't eat that fruit. Mm-hmm. And God would have taken care of it. I don't know what the plan would have been. He, you know, he might have just, you know, I don't know. But, but anyway, that's the same thing, kind, of, kind of thing. I feel like that's what's going on here is we have this virus, but then we throw in all the social media things, we throw in the government regulations, and then we're in America, so we have all these rights, and these rights are being infringed, and so we're getting our focus off of what does God want us to do, what has God laid out for us to obey him on, and we're just, you know. Well, it's kind of what Mark Delaney said a few months ago about the path. You find yourself way down this path, and you don't know how you got there, but you left the path somewhere. And part of that is the distraction of leaving the path, of really trusting God's word for what he really said, 
love your neighbor as yourself, right. you know, and then by his stripes, we are healed. Those are very important scriptures that we've got to stay on because you can be distracted by so many things that are out there and so many different voices right now. And because of social media, everybody can, you know, quickly type something with their thumbs that can just be revolutionary. That's absolutely not true. Right. And then it starts a firestorm of all kinds of other things. So I've equated the, the information that you, we get on this to standing in the center of a football stadium, having all 80,000 people yelling something at you. <laughs> and you're trying to figure out which three people are actually telling the complete truth and know what they're talking about. Mm. You know, and so it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, tough. almost overwhelming sometimes. So here we are with our rights and our freedoms. And I think in our country right now, you know, that seems to all be a little bit in jeopardy at the moment. And, and honestly, things are not going real well with how we're treating each other. We're in election year. We're spouting off opinions left and right. We're angry. We all have an opinion about everything. Um, what should our focus be right now? Well, you know, I, I, our focus, to me, I, I feel like I should put like your, your eternity or you as a, a person and what's your eternal destiny I think I should put that in front of anything that is my um, personal opinion or something that I feel. So, um, so even if I don't agree with maybe what the public health plan is, but I feel like that's going to be a better testimony or that's going to give me a better inroad to have a relationship with somebody because I'm more interested in someone's personal destiny than I am my rights as an American or my rights as an individual or what I think should really be happening. I mean, if anybody should have an opinion about how things should run, I mean, I'm a critical care doctor. I've been in practice for over 20 years. I mean, I have more training than most of the doctors that are taking care of a lot of the COVID patients. That doesn't make me a better person. I'm just saying, if you want to make a resume about people that should have an opinion that should be listened to, I certainly have that resume, but I choose not to put that out in front um, because I really care more about the spiritual aspects of people than I do, you know, these. And if you want to talk about oppressive governments, I'm still not going to trade ours with almost 99% of the ones that have existed mm-hmm. throughout the history of the world. Yeah, so, for sure. You know, yeah, but, and we're grateful, too. We have several uh, uh, representatives of our senators and also of our mayor's office here today, and we're just grateful for you guys and all the hard work and labor that you do. Um, because we know your jobs are anything but easy right now. We've never been in the situation that we're in, but we're, we're so grateful to have godly men in these leadership roles that can ask God and seek him for his wisdom. And so that's a big deal to us. And we definitely want to honor, honor what you're doing in your daily work because it is, is not by any chance go unseen. And, um, and, and <clears throat> Paul even instructs us to pray for those that are, that are leading us. Yeah. And, and it doesn't say pray for the Christian leaders. It's whoever's there, you know, they're ordained by God or they're allowed by God to be in those positions. And so we should still pray for those individuals. And, and if you follow that scripture on through, it, it really talks about to live a tranquil, tranquil and peaceful life. And, and the whole concept of that is that getting to a point where you can bring other people to the knowledge of the truth or salvation. So in, in that little string, in that little paragraph that that Paul's telling uh, Timothy is just um, pray for the government, pray for the leaders, because I want to use that situation, whatever it is, to bring people into the kingdom. And so it doesn't mean all the decisions are right. And sometimes they're Christian people, sometimes they're not. But afford them grace, pray for them, support them. I mean, I've given advice to people uh, at several levels, and they don't take exactly take my advice. I'm totally fine with that. 
It's just, it's just the grace of that position. And that position is different than you deciding what you do with yourself mm-hmm. or what you do with your family. You know, um, everyone feels the need right now on social. I've, I've been on and off of it. I had to get off of it at times just because the opinions are, are so polarizing. And also, you don't feel the love of Christ if you go on Facebook right now. You're not, there's not a lot of Jesus in, in Facebook or really any, any, any media. There's not a lot of Jesus in there. Uh, you know, for us, and especially for those of us who are Jesus followers already, are there any suggestions you have for us when we are on social of things we should or shouldn't do right now? Well, I just, you know, it's kind of like my schedule. I kind of have these standards that I go into something before I even do it. So I, like on social media, I don't post anything that's religious. I don't post anything that's medical. And I don't post anything that's political. So now you're probably getting sick of seeing stuff. (laughs) Colby's one-handed catch on Facebook and all the state (laughs) championship stuff and things like that. But, but, um, and, and so I just set those boundaries for myself. And the other thing is, you know, you just try to limit the time. But, but what, I've no, what I would challenge you guys to do is spend about 15 minutes on social media and then just see how you feel. Then just pick any chapter in the Bible, I don't care what chapter it is, and just read the one chapter and, and see the difference. See the difference. I mean, I, you know, I can sit there and I'll get, and I'm like everybody else. I mean, I, you know, I'll get caught up for 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, you know, I should, you know, and then I'll put my phone down or go do something else. But, um, but I will tell you that almost instantaneously, you pick up scripture, you read something. And I'm not, I mean, I say a chapter, you don't even have to be two verses into it. And there's just a piece, the anxiety goes away. And I'm not an anxious person, but I'm just saying you get stirred up. And it's almost like God was waiting for you to come to listen to him about what you need to be doing. I mean, it's amazing. I'm just saying, yeah, it's, it'll take you, it'll take you uh, 20 minutes to do that. You know, 15 minutes to mess around on social media and five minutes to read a chapter. And I'm just, just. That's really good. I, 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 in my practice, I, I found that there's a lot of times when something comes to you that is not something that you necessarily agree with and you want to make, you want to react. And I've learned not to react, but to respond. So what that means is go over in your notes and type out everything you'd want to say. And then later, if you really want to post it, copy and paste and put it over there. But chances are, if you wait, like you said, five, 10 minutes, you're going to go back and you're going to actually have been convicted by God to not say what you were going to say. But maybe if you're going to respond, you can respond with maybe a voice that he would say or something that he would say in that. But taking those moments, I mean, I really encourage you, don't react because it causes a firestorm. And you're, we all can do damage real quickly that we didn't mean to, to cause harm. And it causes, again, all it is is just rifts in people's hearts. And it's all we're doing is causing the same stuff to continue to happen that's been happening for, for the last several months is anger and rage and frustration and fear and all of that. And we don't want to be about that. I don't want to be about that. I'd really- we, we, we've all seen things where somebody types the exact same thing you believe, and then the next 47 comments are like, what an idiot, LOL, you know, like, you know, you know, leave it to the experts, stay in your lane, and I'm reading it going, well, I'm even more of an expert than this person, but yeah. I think the same thing, am I stupid? You know, I don't really think that, but I mean, that's, that's just where all that stuff goes. So, Steve, as a, as a physician and, a, and as a man of faith and who's been healed of cancer, what do you tell someone who is fearful of what we're facing or they're personally battling stuff themselves um, and, and maybe someone just the fear of it because maybe the fear of the virus or the fear of cancer is maybe worse than even what you went through but it's kind of what the enemy comes and he comes as a roaring lion his, his, his roar is a lot louder than what actually is behind what would you tell someone who's facing something really bad like that right now well I think the focus really needs to be on 
on God's word. Um, again, going back to the lymphoma, there's 26, I think, different types of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, and, and I don't treat cancer. I mean, there's surgical treatments for cancer and we do biopsies and things like that, but I'm not, you know, well, I didn't go digging in to all the other literature. I didn't start looking online to figure out which type mine was and what the outcomes were and that sort of thing. I just, I was trusting God for, for the outcome and just understanding that my treatment was going to be directed by the oncologist and, and I was going to trust God for the rest. And so I didn't get caught up in all this extra information that most likely was going to generate either fear or anxiety and things like that. I just relied on what God's word that was already in my heart. Uh, I had a lot of people come and share scripture with me, spend time with me. Um, you know, multiple people from this church that, that, you know, plugged into me, checked in with me, talked to me and, and, and very much a scripture oriented and focus on God type of approach rather than, mm-hmm. you know, checking out and, and just doing. Well, whatever you magnify gets larger. Mm-hmm. So if you continue to dig and dig and dig and it gets bigger and bigger, suddenly I think sometimes even COVID came to town and it came to be King COVID when we've forgotten that there's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who is King over that. And the Bible says the name of Jesus is above every name of everything that's been named. We have to keep that in focus because I told some of the day, I've got 11 employees and that 12th employee uh, seems to be COVID. It wants to take all my money. It wants to write the rules. It wants to be the loudest voice in the room. And we've got to keep that in check because that, we can't let that over. We can't let the rule. We also, as men, can't let, let that keep us from doing what God's called us to do. Because if we get up every day and we're focused on this, then our focus is not on what God's called us to do, uh, which is in our profession. If you thought about COVID all day long with all the different people that you see, I'm sure that it could affect you actually being a good physician. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, you know, there is a natural curiosity to want to know, and so you want to dig in that. But that doesn't usurp the authority of God's word or his power of faith. I see, so is there a police officer sitting over there? Is that Robert sitting there? If, if, you know, if a police officer goes down a dark alley and somebody's committed a crime, he doesn't have to know the name of that person to have authority over that situation. He has that authority to deal with that situation. He doesn't need all the details of what's your name. They don't, you know, the, the, the enemy doesn't want to comply with all our wishes, but it doesn't change God's authority to, to take over that situation and be in control. Good. Well, let's, we need to get you guys out of here, but I want you just to pray for us and then, um, then I'll close this out in another prayer. So go ahead. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to meet together, Lord. And we just thank you that you've given us the freedom to be able to do that, Lord. We just ask you your peace that would come over all of us and our families and our businesses and our community, Lord. And, and just help us to use these situations to show you, Lord, to be a light for you in this darkness, in this dark time, in this confusing time, Lord. Let us be a source of peace and unity, Lord, a a source of direction toward you, Lord. And we just give you the praise and the glory, and we thank you for all the things that you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Will you hand me one of those cards right there? Just a couple more minutes and I'll get you out of here. We, we felt like it was really critical that we left you with these cards. You know, for me, I keep God's word in, on my dash in my car with something, but these scriptures that are on here, we need to be saying what God says about us. So 
We can either do what social media says about us, we can do whatever the news says about us, we can do whatever the latest physician says, or we can do what these cards say. And for me, you know, I'm the, I'm the body of Christ and Satan has no power over me, overcome evil with good. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I will, I will feel, fear no evil for you are with me, your, your word and your spirit come from me. There's so many scriptures on this card. Let's keep these on our dash somewhere we can see them and then let's speak these. I, I challenge you for the next 30 days, say these while you're driving, while you're going to lunch, where, wherever you are, just say these out loud over yourself. We have a lot of drive time in our cars a lot of times. Let's make that productive time and say that. So keep, the, keep these with you. We're trying to do these every month for you guys to put resources in your hands. Also, this card is also available digitally. So if you want to download it to your phone, wear those uh, uh, COTMBH, COTMBrotherhood.com. This is also up there for you to download as well. So we want to keep resources in front of you. Um, lastly, I just want to give a quick opportunity. You know, we talked about a lot of things today. And if you are in a situation today where you're like, man, I don't, I don't know that I could stand on God's word because I don't really even know that I, know I have a relationship with him. That's critical for us, all of us. We've got to make that decision in our lives where, um, we have made Jesus Lord of our life. It's really hard to go through a pandemic without knowing who is the source of all your healing. And if something were to happen to you, if you were to get COVID and you were to die, is that, are you afraid of that? You know, if, if you made that decision that you've asked Jesus into your heart and you've accepted him, you, we know we're gonna live in eternity. We know we're gonna be with him. So either I live here and I live well, or I'd live over there. Either side, I'm gonna be with him. But if you don't have that assurance today, I want everybody just to bow their head real quick. And I, I wanna make sure that we know that we know that we know that before we leave. I feel like that's a strong responsibility on our part is to make that offering to you. I can offer you bacon and eggs and a great message all day long, but if I've not offered you the true bread of life, then I've, I've, I've fallen short and I've missed out. And there's really nothing more that I could offer you than that, the greatest thing I could. So. Today, if you're here and you'd say, Johnny, I've never accepted Jesus. I've never asked him into my life. I, I, ha- I have or I haven't or I have, and man, I'm just not, I'm not there. I'm not with him right now. I'm not walking with him. This is the most critical day in, in your history today that you could ask Jesus into your heart. I want, um, I want all of you to just, as we're bowing our heads, I want all of us just to repeat this prayer together. And then you know that you know that you're saved. You know that you know you'll go, go to heaven if something were to happen. So just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge you today as Lord of my life. I give you my heart and I say with my mouth that you are Lord. I confess my sins and I ask you to forgive me of all the things I've done. Today I start new as you are Lord of my life. Thank you for a new start. In Jesus' name, amen.